hear that, man? You did you hear that? Hear what? Like, like, like jingles. I think it's Christmas month. It's I'm Christmas holiday. again. <laughs> I think the jingles are actually on last week's episode as well. By the way, I think they're every week, but I didn't know they were going to be on last week's. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is is a a Blink One Eight Two song? that's like it's Christmas time again. It's time to be nice to the people you can't stand all year. Something like that. Yeah, I like it. Anyway, uh, this week I am going to introduce our first topic because you wanted me to discuss this with you. Uh, it is about my photo library. I talked about my photo library in the podcast before. It's like 38,000 photos and 3,800 videos or so. And, you got, you've got um, a decent collection. <laughs> I'd say. I, you know, I, I get I get my money's worth with iCloud Photo Library and, and paying for the two terabytes because it's like 1.2 terabytes of, of photos and videos. So, and I've always had a good experience with that. I, I remember being um, at the kitchen table when the Photos app first came out and iPhoto was going away. And then I think, I think iCloud Photos came after that, right? Like, it wasn't before. Yeah, it was, it, like, it took a while. It took a couple There was PhotoStream. Yeah, I no, think they was... deprecated iCloud Photos. Oh, sorry, they deprecated iPhoto. And then maybe... They oh that's a good question. I they must have announced the new photos app at the same time. I think so, which is like 2015, 2016, like probably 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 2014, who knows. But anyway, I've been using iCloud Photos since back then and um I've never had a problem. I've I've um I've I've relied at times on just having my photos in iCloud and not on any local storage when I've got like say a Macintosh that does not have enough storage. To hold to dedicate one point two terabytes to just to my photo library for locals. Um, that's mostly when using a laptop only, uh, or or an iPad only. In that case, if I have a desktop that's always on and 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 you know, it's it's a desktop, so you don't take it around. It's really easy to connect external storage and then have your photo library live on that external hard drive uh, or solid state drive, and then place your photo library on that external drive and. Um, you know, then you open it up and your photo, and you can have all your locals right there because it's not taking up your your store, you know, local storage. It's, it's external storage, and that works really well too. Um, and and then as I say, like in the past, like few months, I've been kind of in like a, a mix of both, where I'm mostly just relying on like the MacBook Air I'm using the most right now, and and so I'm not going to connect a drive to it and carry it around all the time. So I've just had a cloud um, photos and relying on that. Um, and also, uh, like, uh, I'll get into like a little bit of the detail here. Um, my photo library, I, th- I think people can relate to this. Is like, I've I've never been able to use the widgets app for like you know presenting your memories, and I've actually had a really hard time like struggling with my photo library um, as vast as it is because um, for like a decade I was married. Well, I was with, I was I was with the same person for like a decade, married for five, and um, so so many memories were like. I, I was doing the thing where you say, don't show this person, don't show this place. Which this is new day. for this year, right? New France. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and um, ultimately, I was like, you know what I, I'm going to do for a little while? I'm going to have a fresh photo library that's like from today forward. And I'm, But I'm not going to get rid of my photos. I'm going to you know, place them on another library. You know, or just save that library and just store it. You know, Make a copy, store it. Um, and I did that. And um, you know, I, 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 enough times of like wanting to reference a photo that I knew was in my library, whether it's like a concert or something, you know, NASA related at an event or whatever. Um, I was like, 
I'm not really digging this, uh, you know, method. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I've got like a week of photos or whatever here. I'm, I'm going to, you know, save those offline and then bring back the old library. And, um, I, 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 because it was all local, it was, you know, if you open the library, the setting is download to the Mac or to the drive. Yeah. Download originals, right? Yeah. Download originals. Right. And so I had the drive, with with the originals on and i wanted to say make you know I'm, I'm going back to this library now and i want to make it a system library so it's what my phone sees and um i, I couldn't just like drag and drop it to the mac because it was a 256 drive and and 1.2 terabytes of photos and videos um so i i, I simply tried you know make this the, the system library from the drive um and what I saw happen was uh, in the Photos app, everything was disappearing. It was going away like really fast. And so I unplugged the drive, plugged it back in, and like stopped that process. And then I went to Finder, the drive, photos, show packet contents, and then originals. And I just drug all of those out as like in, in the file system. For safety, and then I plugged. For safety, right, to see what I could salvage. And then I drug them, you know, made a new library because, like, that one was going to zero. Made a new library, didn't do it a system library, drug all the originals back in, and it was about 14,000 photos and, you know, out of, like, 38,000 and uh, a couple hundred videos out of, like, almost 4,000. And a lot of the metadata was wrong. Like, a lot of the photos, it showed the photo date, as the import date so that was messy and for a while i you know a couple of weeks i just didn't touch it i was just like that's too much for me right now and i just kept making it you know kept going on with the new library um but i i think what triggered that was um like like it's a it, it takes a lot to get your photo library off of your iphone like if you say i've got thirty thousand photos stored in icloud don't download originals because it's an iPhone without enough space. Um, it takes a lot to get them to go away, but I managed. And I think something in that process just like made it think that the, the, the true library, the de facto library is, is the empty one, not the one with data. And um, cause I th- I'm pretty sure it takes a lot to, to confuse iCloud photos to make it think a small thing is, is the source of truth, not the big thing. Um, and, and so there's that was my problem. I I finally got around to calling Apple Care and being like, I have no idea if this is possible. And also, it's kind of hard to explain the process. So I went through like four people. One person ended up being a listener. Hello, and uh, that was cool. Um, but just but, before, you just on yeah. Apple Care and one of the people was just like, Hey, it's Zach. <laughs> yeah, he, he said you, you sound like you know your way around a computer, and you know because I was explaining what had happened, and I was like, Yeah, I do nine to five Mac. Like, I've been doing that for for eight years uh and he's like i thought i recognized your voice i just didn't want to assume (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool that's just cool on its own that makes i don't even care about the rest of the story necessarily (laughs) that was just such a cool tidbit but so hi um and and kind of the state of play right now is that there is um a request like like when i called my request was hey i know i borked this thing somehow um there's there's not a trash can version of these photos when i say deleted i don't mean like from my computer i mean like from the server Mm -hmm. uh and so my my question was 
is it possible? Because I know if you delete your library or run out of storage, you get like it takes like thirty to forty days for it to go away. Especially the, the storage issue. Like if you don't pay your iCloud bill, they're not going to keep hosting your photos. You know, you it, it they'll go away. And um, but but my you know so my question was. Is there some? Does the server have my photos that went away? Because you were saying that they weren't showing up in recently deleted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what the first three calls were were about. You know, was check your recently deleted, and I and I'm I try to be polite and play along, just because I know it's you know everyone says I know how to work my my printer, and then they say, "Was it plugged in?" No, it's not plugged in. Okay, thank you. You know, did you check that? No, actually, I didn't check it. Um, and and turns out, um. I, I did have a, a Lacey Lasai drive from September that I had uh, another backup on, but not even just a backup, but it was like my photo library. Like I'm, I copied it and put it there and it, and it wasn't until person number three says, um, are you, are you sure you don't have a backup? And I was like, not that I know of yet, but that made me go looking and I found, you know, everything from, I don't know, the, the early 1900s when I've got family photos in there to, um, to September and I messaged the person at AppleCare and said, hey, I've got most of these back. It's just a couple of months I'm missing, which is not a huge deal. Um, it's, it's, actually, it's pretty pretty small. So uh, so I'm pretty relieved. And But I, I can't say that it's over yet because um, it, I, I'm not at the point yet where I can look at my my, my iPhone and or my, or my MacBook Air and see the photos that are on the system library on the iMac that are on that drive. They haven't gone away, but but the using you know system library there, iCloud Photos and system library on the MacBook Air and the iPhone iCloud Photos same account, they they've not yet come together and decided that we are one thing, um and and the progress of it says uploading twenty two items, so I, I don't know if if uh, it's just a you know it's not telling me what's going on in the background, but I'm sure it's it's actually it, I, I I think it needs to re-upload. <laughs> I don't think they're on the server, so yeah. So you know. Generally, with the iCloud photo stuff, it gets there eventually. It just takes a while, you know. Like so, yeah. th- those yeah. numbers and those progress bar things. Are, like, obviously, you you know, you just been burned, so you're like on tender hooks about it. But I, I assume it will sort itself out. It tends to just be very g- not glacial, but pretty slow. And obviously, when you've got as many pictures as you do, it takes a while. Like, the- yeah. And, and and here's another issue: is that you know I've discussed my my problem with group FaceTime on uh, macOS Monterey. And, and, and during the Apple care session, when I was talking to like a level three person, I don't know, um, there was, it, it, it involved doing, um, remote access where you let the Apple care person see your screen. And, um, they never actually ended up doing anything with the screen, but, um, while I was on the phone, the Mac experienced that crash because my friends were on group FaceTime. <laughs> and so, you know, I had to like power it down and I was still on the phone and, and, but that uninitiated the uh, the remote access, and, and the other problem I'm having is if I try to leave the Mac, the iMac on, you know, leave the house, have all the photos upload, presumably in the background, um, I come back to, to the Mac having having crashed. So <laughs> uh, Mac OS 12.1 can't come soon enough. I, I do have it on the MacBook Air now, and that seems to resolve the issue. I've not experienced it since going to that that beta version. And surely it's coming out this month, but but um, I haven't put that on the iMac yet. So, so did you actually get to a point where they like support offered to do a like server restore? There is a request out, and 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 so I've you know narr- I've narrowed down the request you know 
from from forty thousand you know photos and videos to um, you know, hey, if you have the month that I lost, and I'll I'll take those back. That'd be kind of cool. But if not, it's not a problem. I, I I'm in good shape again, <laughs> which is great. Um, but the request is still out, so I, I guess I'll find out in a few days or so. Yeah, because I from what I know, that is technically possible. And the way, because in in like say if they say if you do an OS update and it goes horrifically wrong, right? Say if you're just a person with an iPhone only and uh, you upgrade from I don't know thirteen to fourteen for whatever reason something went terribly wrong and your phone like wipes itself and all your iCloud data is gone, right? There is a process and you have to do the you know you have to do the song and the dance and you have to get elevated up you know, to the highest tier of support. There is a way for those support people at the end of the day to restore to you know month ago say snapshots of of your mm-hmm. iCloud storage um because they did it a few times i've heard about it from various people but they do you remember that beta cycle that time and it was like i think it was i was 14 maybe last year and for whatever reason like the iCloud was corrupted maybe it was 13 um i know a few people who got their data back via the apple support route uh, yeah and it's, you can even do it selectively, I think. So it's not like we have to revert your, your roll back your entire account. But say if your contacts suddenly get like duplicated or five times over, like say if there's a contact sync bug and you end up with yeah. five ty- five duplicates of every contact, which has happened before, uh, Apple yeah. support can like undo it all and refresh it to a you know a snapshot from a, a better snapshot from a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, that doesn't extend all the way into history, and it's not guaranteed. Blah blah blah. blah but that that safety net does exist. Uh, you just have to, you know, wrangle the right people to get there, which is nice, and it's a nice fallback. Obviously, you should also take, you know, backups of, of your own stuff. Even like, even with iCloud Photo Library, which in general hasn't, I've, I've used iCloud Photo Library since it came out in 2015, never had any issue whatsoever. But you know, for that actual peace of mind, it's still good to have an actual backup done on a regular basis. However. It's much easier said than done, especially with when iCloud Photos is involved, because mm-hmm. if you don't have devices that can store your whole library, like for me, it's not too bad, right? I can just have my entire library mirrored onto my Mac that I use, and then I just time machine the computer. So there's the whole backup done that way. But if you're uh, like in your situation where you you know you're having to do the you know download not downloading originals just because how much space of your how big your library is. There's not really a great way to do local backups on just like a hard drive next to you. You 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 can do it, but you have to like get a separate Mac that's purely dedicated, like maybe a separate Mac Mini connected to an external hard drive, right? Just to do it, and like that amount of effort is just ridiculous. So if for your the longest, backup is iCloud, and it's the only copy. Yeah. So for the longest time, and it's still true to this day, I wish Apple would sell something. Either like they could either sell a. They can either offer like a software utility, which is designed exactly for this purpose of doing offline backups, doing offline snapshots off your iCloud account. Uh, they used to sell routers with with like two and four terabytes of storage inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Call them time capsules. Or they could bring back the time capsule and actually sell dedicated hardware that does just this, so that just <laughs> keeps local snapshots off your iCloud, or, and it could just be like a you know three hundred dollar little unit. Not, and the problem is not many people are going to buy it because nobody wants to pay money to back up stuff, but. It should exist because they they at least need to improve the software availability to make it so that you can like for instance if you're setting up Time Machine there should be a button in Time Machine which is like download originals to my Time Machine drive you know because yeah. just copy just cloning the hard drive isn't good enough because obviously if you're not if you're just doing optimized storage 
half your you know most of your photo library isn't actually locally backed up in those time machine backups so whether apple wants to do a hardware solution which would be great and then you could just like plug it in and leave it um or if they want to offer like better time machine infrastructure or a similar some other method uh that that should be a priority for them just on you know rounding out the ecosystem but it's been years and they've they've gone nowhere because expecting people to have like a, a dedicated mac to do it is just ridiculous even if even if you ignore the expense it's so much technical setup to to arrange it's just it's just insane and if most people in the world they've got an iphone and they've got like a chromebook or a windows laptop right and so they have no facility to do this stuff uh there is a windows like icloud drive photos app but it's not great you know it, it does the job but they just need some utility or some little hardware accessory that can reliably back up your iCloud photo library without you having to download originals all the time. And maybe the little utility device thing, if you delete a photo, it doesn't delete it from the backup version for like months and months and months. So it is an actual backup, right? So The way that Time Capsule works. The way that Time Capsule works. Like it keeps versions going back years and years and years and years and years. One, so, one big save and then just the differences after that. Yeah, exactly. And maybe when your Time Capsule fills up, then it can say, do you want to delete the oldest versions of this stuff? And you could trim it down a bit. But like something like that needs to exist because it's so easy to respond to your story there and be like, well, you should take the backup yourself and you should, but it's actually really hard to do it. Like <laughs> if you don't, if you have a photo library in the terabytes, like, and you, and you can't download originals all the time and you don't have an external drive connected 24 seven. Like if you're just using a, a MacBook air as you are at the moment, like you've got no choice. You, you re- is, there's no good way to do it. So it's yeah. definitely something that is a big gaping hole when they're offering. Yeah, and I and I definitely want to say for like for iCloud photos users, this is not a case of like I did nothing wrong and iCloud lost my photos. <laughs> I, I mean, I was doing like, I mean, what I was doing was a little bit tricky. It was out of the work. ordinary use, yeah, yeah, right. And it went and it went wrong, you know. Yeah. So, but um, l- luckily that I mean, it was because of that I had another drive that was in a closet that had this you know backed up from September is is you know what saved the day so far. And handling like you know not erasing previous memories but hiding them they've they've started to do that with ios 15 but they could they could make it way easier they could do way more they could even offer like an option just like you had which is like archive all the pictures before like you did it the uh the brute force way by actually just deleting the library right or you know yeah. taking the photos out of the library but if in software you could just say look don't show me anything from before 2018 or before 2019 sure. Yeah, or in this range of dates, yeah. Yeah, and obviously if you went to the man you look through the library, you could still find them, but the suggestions, the recommendations, all that stuff would just completely ignore things in that in that time period. Uh, it'd be a nice... They need more controls like that across the board. You know what I was most upset about, like, possibly losing? What? Um, it was It was something that you told me to do, which was when my son was born, Rory, to make a video of us coming home from the hospital the day that we go home, and... And I did that. I did. I forgot I told you to do that. You did tell me that. And I did it. And I still, I rewatch it like all the time. Um, It's like 15 minutes long of first getting to our house and going inside. And my mother-in-law was there and my um, daughter was four. My son was a newborn. And um, it's the video of like that, that first 15 minutes at home. And and I love that. And um, you know, this is why I've got to take these backups even more seriously. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by our friends at Smile Software. Supercharge your team with the power of Text Expander. Quite simply, Text Expander saves you time and you make fewer mistakes while you're at it. Text Expander lets you set up reasonable snippets of text that can be inputted anywhere you can type. Just type out a short assigned abbreviation and Text Expander fills in the rest. 
Snippets can be simple things like hard to spell names, repetitive email introductions, or even complex support messages, featuring fill in the blank fields to easily customize and personalize the message as needed for the current context. And if you're working in a team, you can use Text Expander to improve consistency of your messaging too. With everyone using the same synced stash of snippets, you know that everybody is saying the same thing. And Smile recently released a major new version, Text Expander 7, which brings a fresh new experience that makes the app even easier to navigate and to use. Use Text Expander in so many ways to reduce human error and speed up your workday, whether you're dealing with common customer support emails, sales messaging, or just things that you always forget how to spell. Text Expander is the solution. Text Expander works on any platform, in any app, anywhere that you type. So take back your time and unlock your productivity with Text Expander. Listeners to this show can get 20% off their first year subscription. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more and sign up. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Thanks to Text Expander from Smile Software for sponsoring the show. Yeah, I'll add real quick. I just want to say um, I've been using Text Expander for years. I've mostly used an old copy of like five, but I recently just totally lost the license to it and was like, you know what? I've been using this, you know, for eight years. Let me uh, get the, the, the latest version and pay for it. And I did. And uh, it has a lot of like pre-installed stuff that's fixing typos that I make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have like it's, automatic um, snippet suggestions basically now. Yeah, and it's it's way better than the built-in stuff. So I love Text Expander. All right, balls in your court. What are we just talking about now? Yeah, so this is something that I don't think I mentioned in my big like, you know, new Maverick Pro arriving um, podcast episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. But one of the things I'm conscious about is with my desktop, with my laptop as desktop arrangement, it means that it's plugged into power pretty much all day long. And I'm not one that is going to like optimize for every saving every single battery cycle, you know, and stopping the lithium ion from degrading at every single percentage point that I could ever do. But it is something that if I'm plugging the thing in all day long for every day of the year, pretty much, I've got to at least, you know, pay some some eye to making sure that it's doing the right thing. And Apple clearly signaled that this process was significant enough because uh, a year or so ago, they added a whole optimized battery charging system to macOS. They did it on the iPhone first, and they brought it to the Mac. So the whole thing about you know not letting the, the laptop charge over 80 percent unnecessarily is it going to make you know is it going to make the laptop last five years longer on the on the same battery? No, but are you going to get an extra year out of it? Well, possibly. So you know if it, if it's not too much of a a mental burden, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that route. And what Apple added is basically an automatic system that tracks your schedule in terms of charging works out at what hours of the day you generally unplug or you need or you uh you know or you leave it li- plugged in the whole day and then it stops charging around the 80% mark until it gets close to that time when it thinks you're going to actually dis- disconnect the laptop and you're going to need the full battery again to charge it up to full just like the system on the iPhone now where you plug in your iPhone overnight but it charges to 80% by like 2am and then it only charges that final 20% battery at like 6am or 7am just before you wake up so the idea is you can have a full charge when you go out for your day but the phone is intelligently not leaving it charged at 100% all night long for every day of the year so i was interested because my old laptop didn't support it the 2016 uh, but obviously i think any laptop with thunderbolt ports from 2018 and newer has this feature and available and it's on by default so i was 
tracking what was going on with it, right? And so for the first two weeks, there was nothing at all, I'd say. And then I noticed on the 17th day, so basically almost three weeks in, the battery indicator in the status bar had a new icon uh, on it. And then when I clicked on it, it said, battery charging on hold. We will finish charging at 6 p.m. And 6 p.m. is generally when I get, you know, 6, 7 o'clock is when I get dinner. So that kind of makes sense. So it intuited my schedule. So I was like, that's great. You know, it's not going to it's not gonna be charging 100% from midday till 6. It's going to be at 80% until about 5 o'clock when it's going to do the remaining 20% charge. Pretty good system. Didn't have to do anything at all. Smart, intelligent, worked pretty well. However, in the days since then, it doesn't do that anymore. Presumably because I've unplugged it at a different time of the day and it's it can't rely on its like smart suggestion schedule. So now it just doesn't mm. do it. It just al- always charges to full for the whole day long. And I don't know how many more days it's going to be before it learns the schedule again and goes back to what it was doing. And my main complaint here is there's no way for me to tell it. Like, there's no way for me to force it. Okay, here's my schedule. Follow this on your charging routine. The only option for optimized battery charging is for it to happen automatically and intelligently, which I would say probably should be the default option, but I would prefer if there was, you know, customization and further control, fine-grained control, if it was available, which there simply isn't. Because there is a mode where if the laptop realizes that you plug it in, like, all day long permanently, and maybe, like, you leave it in, plugged in overnight, etc., day after day after day, it can revert from doing the, oh, well, we'll charge until 6, and then we'll charge to full. It will actually go into mode, which is, like, battery unplugged very rarely so it basically never charges the battery at all it just goes direct through the power source i would love to turn that mode on and control you know the full charge to full manually uh, but there's no there's no way in mac os to do that i tweeted about this and a load of people responded with a third party app called al dente uh, which does which basically everything i just said i wanted provides and more you can say like the maximum charge percentage what time to discharge you know a, a, a slower charging period all these options and you can download it it's free and there's a pre version too however <laughs> oh, no well i'm not like my my I, i'm a bit everyone tells me this thing works but i'm nervous to leave something as like critical as battery charging to a third party app hmm like, I don't know if that's just me. I don't know if I'm crazy. But I generally try and keep my Macs, like, pretty plain sailing anyway. But in, in downloading something that's going to, like, override the battery controller kind of doesn't sit great with me. I'm like, I'd rather just not do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I get that. But I think it will literally, like, you're going to use this MacBook Pro until the wheels or keys fall off. Yeah. And, and um, you know, if you just use the stock experience, you're not going to get features until Apple copies that app. And, um, you know, it'll be when you've destroyed your battery. So, so what's more likely that your, your actual you know, use case on, on your own, you know, what damage that will do because you leave your Mac plugged in, um, this app probably won't do any damage. It's just a, maybe just a fear. Yeah. But so. I just kind of don't, it's not even like, it's like, I don't even think it's going to do damage necessarily. It just makes the whole thing like dirty or impure, like. <laughs> I don't know, like my 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 look. A- Apple software can can be dirty and impure all on its own. That right. is true. My my objective for a perfect system 
has already been undermined because I had to do that thing where you have to go into lower security mode to install the uh, helper for Piezo, which is the app I used to record the podcast on. So I've already mm-hmm. dirted it up in that way. So I guess a, a menu bar utility to control the battery life isn't the end of the world. But Yeah, and, and that method is really just like rolling back to like the lion days, isn't it? it it's that there was a security version. I mean, they added a layer of security permissions required at some point in macOS, but it wasn't in the, in the call it like use your Mac without secure mode or something. But it's just rolling back to like previous years of security that was fine for years. Yeah, yeah. Like even in that case, though, I prefer if Apple would like offer these apps like a dedicated API so they could just get better audio. Like I don't think I should have to undermine the security of my entire system just so an app can override the audio channel. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, audio is a pretty tough one on the Mac because of that reason. Yeah, like I just wish Apple would sort that out so there was like a sanctioned, you know, user land driver thing that you could. You, maybe you go in that privacy screen, you just enable like full audio access for these apps without having to like allow basically the equivalent of like kernel extension installation just to get it working. But that's a separate topic. But thank you to everybody that did tell me about Al Dente. I, I haven't I haven't I've installed it, I tried it and I uninstalled it again, but I'm it may come back. <laughs> but for I think I'm just gonna ride it out for now and just see if the built in one learns my schedule again or what happens. And then it, you know, if, if a couple of months go by I, I might give up and re-download it because i prefer to stay as stock as possible and would obviously asking apple to i don't i don't think apple's going to add this stuff but that's what i'd like to see uh in the but it's going to be i'm going to hold out for a little bit just to see whether uh the automatic thing can be clever again if you, if you know what I, mean. I i i have a software you know you're, you have a software philosophy of I'm, i want it to be pure and not not bring in third-party utilities especially um i have one as well which is never uh rely on Apple intelligence to do automatic mm-hmm. features well. Like, you know, whatever it is, uh, the feature on the Apple Watch where you raise your wrist and, and you can just talk and Siri listens without saying, hey, I, I turn it off every time because it, it, it doesn't work when I want it to and it invokes when I don't want it to. Um, the feature, let's see, another, another example, one of the, I have a lot of these, but <laughs> any automatic, uh, AirPods switching, that feature that was announced last year and came in iOS 15, it's really good when it works. It's really bad when it when it doesn't do the right thing and, and moves your headphones around devices that you don't intend it to. So I go on every device and I revert that back to last used device so that I know how it's going to work. Um, because it just feels like a software bug otherwise if it's if it's doing automatic stuff poorly. You know, just like the Siri with uh, you know, Siri intelligently decides what music service you want to use. Oh yeah. I mean that's yeah. a- that is a Any, I mean, I'll, I'll probably eventually post that, but like I, I could, you know, think about it and I can't think of any automatic features, you know, just let it be intelligent in the background and, and figure it out for you. Stuff that I like, except for like maybe memories and photos. <laughs> that's, that's probably the list, though. Yeah, I generally get on with a lot of Apple's like recommendations, Siri intelligent stuff. Uh but the the AirPods is a good example of where they that is just not good enough to like, and it's not even like a million miles away from what it should be. But there's just certain situations where like you launch Twitter and then it directs your attention from your Mac back to your phone when you're just opening Twitter for half a second. So it's just yeah. like the edge cases which kind of ruin that, and it's so invasive that you like most of Apple's suggestion stuff. You can kind of just it, it's there and it's good if it's there, but if it if it doesn't hit, if there's like a false positive or false negative, it doesn't really matter. But the AirPods uh, is one where it really you know it really is damaging to the general experience. I have the uh, race to wake Siri on the Apple Watch turned on. I don't have issues with it, uh, but obviously 
I know plenty of people that it does have problems for. That just depends on your individual on your individual behavior, I guess. Yeah, there's one more I was thinking about, um, which, which is I know that you don't drive uh, or, or often, but the um, frequent locations feature suggestion where you mm-hmm. get in the car and text that, and it sends you an, uh, a quiet notification that that says it's it's this many minutes away to this place that it thinks that you're going. Uh, it's I mean, I've got a pretty, pretty set schedule in my life. It's, it's rarely helpful to the point where I don't look at it. It's like, you know, Hey, go to McDonald's. Well, I'm not going there. You know, maybe I went too many times and it's shaming me, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That thing's definitely set up for people. I think that like, it doesn't work as well for people that work from home, which is maybe bad in, uh, the modern era, you know, the post 2020 world, but it's definitely set up for like a, a schedule of, wake up go to work come back home again uh but if you're working from home it doesn't quite grasp your you know your your day-to-day preferences as well uh separately there's a bit of a legal update so apple appealed last week to the ninth circuit to get a stay of execution on the apple epic lawsuit injunction which would have seen them on december 9th uh have to basically allow links out to external payment systems or for all apps in the app store as part of that filing from last week, they basically made it very clear that they intend to charge commission on transactions that have started from the app, but even if they're happening on the web, they still want to take commission, which is something that you know Tim Cook alluded to into that in that May trial hearing. And we've seen Google say that they're going to do this too. They're going to reduce their cut from 15 to 11. So if you use an alternative payment system, you save like 4%, but effectively you're saving nothing because it probably costs you about four percent in transaction fees with the third party payment system so you know google's trying to have its cake and eat it and clearly that was a, a thing that sounded appealing to apple and this legal filing basically confirms that that was their intent so all of the like the technical barrier or not barriers but like the technical complexity they kept referring to this is obviously a big part of it of how they're actually gonna you know collect their commission on stuff bought not using apple in that purchase uh However, that's all kind of moot because literally yesterday, Apple actually the the ninth court, uh, the ninth circuit appeal did actually succeed. So Apple no longer has to <laughs> implement that stuff on December 9th, which is today actually. Uh, it is. They don't well, have to do that. It, that's basically now just delayed out until the appeal's complete, which could be like a year or more away, maybe for, maybe up to five years, depending on how far they take it. So all of that stuff is. To, to come it's it's now back on the back burner just a reminder that apple did uh is still committed to that agreement with the japanese commission over the reader app stuff so which they, is for everyone yeah yeah not for everyone just for yeah what, for, what, it's, gl- it's global global right? but only for reader apps right, right so right. like right. netflix or uh, disney and that, uh, or subscription apps basically uh so reader apps will be allowed to have a single link out to their store out to their online website to, to buy stuff and we're still waiting for apple to provide the details on that because they said that they would have information to come i think by the end of the year but the end of the year is quickly approaching and the nebulous description of will help you do it securely yeah apple will help you add a single link to, to your application and so we're going to see so much policy and fighting over what counts as a single link like all that stuff still that's that that's still coming in the short term but the bigger like impact thing which obviously was what was, what Apple and Epic were fighting over is games, right? Because the reader apps uh, address most of the subscription use cases, but in-app purchases on games are like Apple's biggest revenue stream on the App Store, and they're not going to let 
alternate payment systems there as much as possible and they're going to fire every step of the way and at least for now they don't have to do anything so if you wanted a big uh chaos you you're you're deferred for now you have to look like 10 feet to the left to find chaos <laughs> it's, not, it's not this direction happy hour is also brought to you by expressvpn expressvpn is like having a digital first aid kit most of the time you'll probably be fine but when you need it you need it browsing the web without expressvpn is like going out on a trip with a first aid kit that is simply not stocked up so when you do need it you're out of luck Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, a hacker on that network could sniff the packets and gain access to your personal data, like financial information, passwords, and other sensitive details. Think like when you're working at a cafe, staying at a hotel, going to the airport, or whatever. Whenever you're connecting to unsecured Wi-Fi, you're at risk. And the scary part is it really doesn't take much technical knowledge to even do this. Only a bit of research and some cheap hardware, a kid can hack you. And there's an incentive too. They can make up to $1,000 selling personal info on the dark web. That's $1,000 per person. ExpressVPN closes these holes. If you're browsing on an unencrypted network using ExpressVPN, then you have peace of mind that your data is secure. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that hackers cannot steal your data and not even your ISP knows what you're browsing. It's super simple to get this security. I've used ExpressVPN and it really is so effortless. You just fire up the app and you click one button and boom, you are protected. You can use ExpressVPN across iPhone, Android, Mac, Windows and so many other devices. And unlike some cheaper VPNs out there, ExpressVPN does not slow down your speed. It's super fast and you can easily stream HD video over the VPN connection that they give you. And it's not just good for security. If you're like me, someone's living in the UK, you often hit websites or apps that just don't work unless they think you're coming from the United States. Well, it's as easy as firing up ExpressVPN and changing your virtual location so you get to see exactly what someone from America would, evading the geographic content blog. So secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash happy hour. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash happy hour and you can get an extra three months for free. One more time, expressvpn.com slash happy hour. Do you, do you ever hack people in your spare time? <laughs> just, just go out and... Uh, if I did, I wouldn't admit to it on a podcast. I feel like you're someone who who, who could do that. I mean, as a, as we just said, it's very easy to do, so... Yeah. It's, it's yeah. possible. It's, it's, it's probably a kid that does it. It's a bit, really it's a bit unethical. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Kids are smart. My kids are brilliant. Uh, what's new with Apple Wallet? Yeah, so Apple... This, this was teased at WWC and set to come later the year. I kind of forgotten about it, but this week Apple announced that they have rolled out digital keys in Apple Wallet. And that's basically instead of obviously you've had uh you know cards for contactless payments in there since the beginning. Uh and then they've added, you know, they've had passes and for a longest time you've been able to get like a cinema ticket even back in the passbook days and that obviously migrated over to Apple Wallet. Well what they have now is like an official system for like keys to unlock things in the wallet app um and they're launching with hyatt hotels i've never heard of them before but presumably they're you're not an american Mm. i'm not american no but uh, (laughs) even if you've heard of hyatt hotels uh you you might not be able to rush out and try this because they're only launching in six locations to start so if you happen to be uh using one of these six hotels you can do this but otherwise you've got to wait for it to roll out to the entire hyatt hotel uh, roster over time but basically it's using the entire 
stack of Apple Pay, but using it to unlock the door to the hotel. So before you uh, before you get there, even when you book your reservation, uh, you can get a card added to Apple Pay, a, a, a key added to Apple Pay via the Hyatt app or the website. So just like you had a cinema ticket and it has that little add to Apple wallet button, there'll be a version of that. But it, when you press on it, it'll add to your wallet the Hyatt key and it will say the room number on it and it will say you know the time of arrival and everything and it's smart so you can't like unlock the door before your actual check-in time it won't work but you don't have to even visit the front desk it will just be in the apple wallet and so then on your iphone on your watch you can just go up to the door of the hotel that you're booked in for you're booked into your room you just wave your phone or your watch at the reader the nfc reader on the front and then it goes bing bing bong and it lets you in all done privately and securely Apple doesn't know where you've used the key, just like they don't know when you're using Apple Pay either. Mm-hmm. And, and it works up to five hours after your phone dies because you've been out too long and didn't charge your phone? Yeah, so th- this works for Apple Pay stuff as well. Like if you have a more recent iPhone, I think like 2018 or newer, when your phone dies and goes into power reserve mode, it will say like, passes or Apple Wallet still available. And so you can use it up for five hours after your phone's completely dead which is cool. Um, I th- if you remember, they, like, Kevin Lynch at yeah, the original say. Apple Watch event, he showed this exact thing off in 2015. Like, one of their first kind of gambits of this is what the watch could be used for. It was like, we can use the watch to unlock your door. This and is the one months before it shipped. This, yeah, they, yeah, this is like the original event. And I think that version was like based off like short range Bluetooth and it might even yes. have been made available in some places, but it wasn't like widely distributed. This is Apple's like real attempt at getting this going. Obviously it's starting with just six high hotels, but they're gonna deploy it around the world in every location as much as possible over time. Yeah, so if you're for the holidays, you're going to uh Long Beach, California, Silicon Valley, Fremont, California, uh Dallas, Texas, Chicago, California. Illinois, there we go. Uh, Key West, which I've 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 been to this Hyatt in Key West. It's good. Uh, and, and the last one I don't know how to say, and does uh, uh, Maui at uh, Welly Resort. Bring <laughs> that one. But if you go there, bring me because I want to go there and learn how to say the name. But those are the six. Full feature, yeah, and it even supports the Express Transit thing, so you don't even need to use. Face ID or Touch ID to authenticate. You can just hold your watch up and it'll let you in, or hold your phone up and it'll let you in. Does that do where you don't even need to like pick the like like in the UI? Correct. Yeah, it, you literally like, just you don't have to do anything. You just hold the phone up to the reader and it'll do it. Yeah, that's so cool. Like when when I um use electric charging, public electric charging, uh, I I put my phone to the NFC reader and then it and it knows to pull up that um point charge card in the wallet and that's how i that's how i say this is my account i like that a lot when you don't have to pick what it is yeah and like in the uk we have it for the london underground so when you're getting on the underground train station you just wave your watch at the reader you don't have to fuss about double clicking or anything like that just hold and go and obviously you know it's a bit of a security risk in terms of if your devices get lost someone can you know make payments on your behalf but it's like the reason it's allowed for like transit is because it's limited to x amount per day there's like a cap on it and stuff and if you obviously you can remotely yeah. wipe your phone remotely deactivate your cards and in this case if you do lose your phone you can remotely deactivate your key or whatever so yeah and, and actually i want to correct you you do, you do you have heard of hyatt 
because the Hyatt in Titusville, Florida has gym kit support in their gyms. I didn't, know that. <laughs> I didn't, it didn't come to mind. It's okay. Uh, also this week we had the release candidate versions for iOS 15.2 and macOS bloody bloody blur and the rest, watch OS 8, blah, blah, Shocker, no universal control still. So that feature is definitely not making it for this year. That's, that's the Mac feature that lets you control, use, use your mouse and keyboard on one Mac, on another Mac, or iPad without having to use the iPad's keyboard or the other Mac's mouse and keyboard. It's like one big workstation. Yeah, really cool. And that was like the hero feature for the Mac update at WWC, but <laughs> it's just gone radio silent for a while. They'll ship it eventually, but not not this not this week or next week when these release candidates come out. Uh, the release notes also confirm this will be the version that ships with the Apple Music Voice plan. Uh, we'll probably talk about that next week when they come out. But there was one cool interesting thing that popped up in that as part of iOS 15.2, if you go to, on your iPhone, if you go to settings, general, about, and scroll down, if the phone that you're using has had a repair done to it, you will now see that information in a little, like, history. So if you have an iPhone 13 or iPhone 12, you can get information about the battery display and camera. If you have an iPhone 11, you have uh, information for battery and display and if you have an iPhone XR, XR, or XS or later, you can only get battery information. But they used to do these little like pop-ups on the lock screen if the phone detected that you were using non-genuine Apple parts. So if you if you just had your battery replaced, not using a you know Apple endorsed battery, it would pop up and say warning, warning, warning. This is not you know this is unauthorized. This is a non-official. Maybe you should do something about it. But now they actually have like a full little breakdown for battery camera and display that will tell you if you're using if you're when you've done a repair, so if you got if you got your phone repaired uh, like a year ago, you got the display switched out. Theoretically, now when you go into the settings app, you'll be able to see when it happened, and it will say genuine Apple part done on the you know the fourth of July twenty twenty or whatever. Uh, or if you've got a if you've had it done aftermarket, it will say unknown part. Apple stresses that this is informational only, and they're not going to like disable your phone if you're using aftermarket parts. Well, obviously, they recommend that you don't use those things. Uh, I think this is a cool feature, cool little addition. I'm sure Apple's incentivized to do this because it encourages more and more people to buy, you know, to get their devices repaired directly through Apple or authorized resellers. Because uh, if you, it's just another thing that if you're going to a aftermarket company to get your battery placed, then there's another screen where it's like, oh, this isn't so hot. There's a big warning sign here. Uh, but also, it comes in handy. Like if you're buying, um, if you are using like a, a repair shop. And they say they're Apple authorized and they've got the licenses and stuff. You know, at some level, you just have to trust them. But now, if you get your phone replaced through them, it comes back. You will at least be able to look at this setting screen and say, "Oh yeah, they've repaired. They've re- they've replaced it with a genuine part." So I've been if, like, if you if you buy someone's phone from them, you know, change out your Apple ID and everything. Uh, this is still there. This is part of the yeah. I believe it's tied memory. to the serial number. So that's pretty cool. Any repairs that are associated with the serial number will show up there. So yeah, if you if if you sold your phone to me and you said. Oh, I you know it got repaired a year, a year. The screen got replaced a year ago, but I got it done in the Apple Store. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, now when I come and meet you to collect the phone, I can check by going to the settings app and quickly seeing that the phone's telling me that the display is genuine. Nice. Do, do, do you know Carfax? In the you know what Carfax is? No. Okay. So in in the United States, there is a service called Carfax, and you you pay for them, um, but it is uh, a record of you know 
repairs and accidents that you that your car um by its VIN, which is vehicle identification number, I believe, uh, that that it's gone through. And so it's they're popular when when buying a used car. Um so this is like that, but for your for your Apple device. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm sure that they they're starting to introduce the stuff in preparation for the self repair program stuff that they're gonna launch next year. Because oh, yeah. there's gonna be an even wider market of like people being able to repair your stuff and just getting a bit of extra peace of mind that if you like i you know i think this if you if you're getting an older phone if you've got an older phone and you just want a cheap repair getting a getting a random place that isn't using apple parts to get a new battery in if you want to do it go for it right you're going to get it's going to be a lot cheaper and it's probably going to work fine but if you're someone who wants the apple authorized stuff now you've got a way to actually check that you have actually got apple authorized parts because there has been cases in the past where people have gone to these shops and that maybe even if they are um, an Apple-authorized reseller, if they're not so, you know, they're a bit a bit on the shady side, they might be an Apple-authorized reseller, but they use aftermarket parts because they're cheaper for them to buy, then they take more money home, right? So there's incentives for, the, for them to deceive you. And before, you were kind of out in the cold about, like, if you got your phone back and it's working, but you've been promised an Apple-authorized part, but in reality you didn't get that before there wasn't really a way for you to know um whereas now you get a nice little breakdown on the screen so i think it's a i think it's a nice addition and as long as they stick to the whole like uh you know we're not going to penalize you for using non-apple parts we're just going to let you know that that's the case i think that's a decent a decent balance you know and there's now a new opportunity for someone to specialize in um changing your firmware and and rolling these these, you know removing the bad things that you don't want to show like um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a thing with cars where people roll back their mileage or they like they like rub out some of the vin numbers and like yeah put a different number over the top yeah it's the, yeah well you've just you've just invented the new scam but <laughs> it, it, assuming people don't abuse it this is useful finally this week happy hour is sponsored by overland overland is a family-owned american heritage brand that puts comfort and quality first for almost 50 years they offer outerwear accessories and home decor made from sustainable natural fibers like sheepskin leather and wool uh we are focusing on their range of sheepskin slippers for now overland is using the highest quality merino sheepskin for these naturally moisture wicking temperature regulating and antimicrobial with expert craftsmanship to take advantage of the luxury luxurious materials overland is one of the only brands in the world that uses true double-faced sheepskin that means the suede you see on the outside is the same as the fluffy sheepskin that you feel on the inside and they also have a supportive memory phone midsole for incredible comfort and they make for slippers that feel better and wear better for longer now zach i know you have a pair of overland slippers right yeah overland sent me a pair of uh my request men's gunner australian merino sheepskin slippers with arch support and uh, it's style number 53115. Uh, I, in size 10, if you care, I love these so much that last week I texted you that uh, I, I had a package coming and it was going to the wrong address and I rerouted it to the local Dollar General. And um, that, that's the thing that you can do. And it, it arrived at, at the Dollar General and I uh, was very excited to receive my package. And I went over there and waited in line. A lot of people there. Okay. Uh, got my package, came back, and only when I returned home did I realize I had left home in my slippers. Uh, they're that comfortable. 
Uh, and then over the weekend, I had uh, family over, and my stepmom complimented my slippers. So that's that's high praise. I, I love mean, them. What a better endorsement than that? Mm-hmm. Once again, that's double-faced sheepskin on the inside and out, which means the shoe is lighter, more breathable, and there's no synthetic materials actually touching your feet. So don't wait another day to slip into something that is way more comfortable. Get the best, highest quality sheepskin slippers on the market at overland.com slash happy hour. You'll get free shipping and free returns. I recommend you go today because these slippers are so beloved, they have been known to sell out before. That's overland.com slash happy hour, O-V-E-R-L-A-N-D.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Overland for sponsoring the show. All right. Uh, now we're going to talk about the future. <laughs> I'm so excited about AR and the headsets and the goggles and glasses and contact lens. Oh, really? I didn't get that. Uh, didn't get that impression last week. <laughs> you know what would be cool? Uh, concerts, music, like, you know, remotely. Really, really, you know, bring in the sound and the visuals. Uh, maybe, I don't know, but. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. I'm not I'm not yet in in this. Well, to add a bit of um salt to the to the wounds, I guess. Last week I was we were obviously speculating about like, you know, the long-term future for this thing cuz Quo had said that Apple wants to replace the iPhone with AR products within 10 years, and on the 10-year time frame, you can imagine very cool, you know, thin and light glasses that can, you know, transform your world in front of you in in many different ways and replace the phone. But at least that was my stance on that but in the shorter term what apple's going to ship seemingly next year or at least announce next year according to so many sources is this like ar vr headset thing that is much closer to the kind of virtual reality headsets that we see on the market from the likes of oculus and htc vive right like a big bulky thing that you like ski goggles right that has to go over your head and you strap it in and it's big and you could theoretically walk around with it in the day-to-day world, but you probably don't want to. Like all the Oculus Vive, all the Oculus stuff, it's mainly meant to be used at home, right? You you have fun, play some games in the comfort of your own home, and nobody sees you look stupid. You just enjoy your little VR world for a bit, <laughs> and then after three or four months, you find out that there aren't actually that many great VR games, so you just stop using it altogether. But it was fun while it was lasted. Uh, obviously, Apple's hoping to go for something with a bit bigger appeal than that, but. It's going to take a while to get there, and I think their first outing is going to be niche, not necessarily very appealing, and it's going to be expensive. So, quote a story this week that Apple intends to make about two million of their first generation headset, which you know, on the scale of Apple products, is pretty low volume. It'd be interesting to know whether they end up selling more HomePod biggies or AR headsets, but we know which one of them is already RIP. So that's a uh... That's a sad, sad turn of affairs, but they're they're clearly forging ahead with this headset. And I think mostly this first version is to get a footing in the door, to get something out there, and then they're going to iterate on it for years to come and eventually get to the idealized headset form factor. Uh, Mark Gurman at Bloomberg had an interesting quote that he says that the AR VR headset is going to focus on gaming, media, and communication. So he said that gaming should be a strong focus of the machine, especially given that it will have multiple processors. A fan, extremely high resolution display, fan. and its own app store. Right? Yeah, fan. That's. I mean, that's a big red flag to start with. Like a fan in your in your in your headset. Like hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not annoying. But that sounds like a big red flag right up front. Uh, look for Apple to position the device as a dream for game developers. Okay, so 
what is a category that Apple is pretty bad at? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not great in the whole game market. They, outside of the iPhone, they can't get any developers to make games for their stuff because they're just too niche. They don't match the technologies that the Windows market uses or the traditional games consoles use. Even though, theoretically, you know, an Apple TV could drive, like, PlayStation 4 games, you know, they just never materialize because Apple as a company just isn't great at the gaming sphere. The only the only inroads they've made is with Apple Arcade, where they're paying these developers, like, millions of dollars to make games. And I think Apple Arcade is a fine product, but they're not rivaling, you know, high-end AAA titles. It's like family, you know, kids' affairs, at, at least. Yeah, you get them. Fortnite. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't even have Fortnite anymore because uh, the epic debacle. So if if Apple's going to come charging in with an AR VR headset, you know, they're going to have an uphill battle getting games developers on board, I think. Similarly, communication. Uh, Mark says, look for emojis and a VR FaceTime-like experience to be the new age Zoom. Uh... I don't know. Like, FaceTime's popular, but as we've spoken about before, group FaceTime is not very popular. And s- the general sphere of, like, social media and stuff isn't generally in Apple's court either. This feels like a like an uphill battle too. Maybe you could have, like... Like, VR FaceTime would be cool if you could just, like, see fully, like, 3D versions of the other person. But if by VR FaceTime they mean, like, I see your emoji and you have your emoji and we walk around like little avatars while we're talking... That doesn't appeal to me at all. I'd rather just talk on a laptop where I can see your face, you know? Yeah, it's tricky. It's, it's uh, I, I like the pull of hands-free so that I can see the people I'm talking to, but then there's the issue of I want to also present myself and walk around and be hands-free, and, and that's, you know, without something protruding in front of you, that seems harder. Yeah, and then the other point was about media. Uh, Mark says he expects Apple to work with media partners to create content that can be watched in VR on the device. I mean, that one certainly seems more achievable as an extension of Apple TV+. Plus. You know, they could just pay some people to make some 3D, 3D movies and things. But it's hard to... I, I, it's, it, you're still going to have the chicken and egg problem where if they're only going to sell 2 million headsets, unless they're going to be funding this stuff directly, like there isn't going to be the incentive there for people to make this stuff. <laughs> like This... this <laughs> You know, the whole VR, AR situation. Apple's had AR kit for, what, four years or more on the phone and the iPad? And it hasn't really migrated out of, like, gimmick territory in any way for anything. And the headset maybe is a better form factor for actually doing that kind of stuff. But the first version is going to be big. It's going to be bulky. It's going to be expensive. Like, we're expecting prices, like, above $1,000, maybe $2,000, maybe $3,000. Like... Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm so sold after all this. <laughs> like I am, I may be bullish on like the long term potential of yeah. the AR idea, but the short term product that they're going to announce next year, I can't. I just can't see how it's going to be like appealing. Like our esteemed colleague and nine to five Mac podcast, nine to five Mac Happy Hour podcast editor, Kirk Seth Kirkowski. I don't even know his name. Seth Kirkowski <laughs> told me, uh last week that he is so excited for apple to make a product like this and he will buy it immediately so they only need to sell one million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. what, what, what does he want million. it for i don't know he didn't 
don't know. Ask him. He's listening. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Quick correction on Zach's part. I said AR, not VR, AR. I would buy AR headset from Apple 100% easily. VR, hell no. Okay, now back to Ben and Zach. I mean, I guess if there's 2 million people like him in the world, they can they'll have a field day about it. But Yeah. Yeah, uh, I haven't really looked, but um, I, I, I think it's about three hundred bucks now for what, like an Oculus that you can you can buy and 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 use and experience. Well, it depends what you're like, because the the, the three hundred dollar ones, you either get ones that are like as powerful as a very basic smartphone, i.e., the graphical fidelity is pretty low. Okay, and that's like an all in one unit, like an independent unit. Most of the three hundred dollar uh, VR headsets around at the moment are ones that plug into a computer. So you like wear them in a room, but they're like connected either wirelessly or via a cable to a, a, a PC. So the PC is driving the actual game and you're just getting like a projection of it. And we think the Apple headset is going to be like independent. So it will have the processing on board. That's why it's going to have a fan in it, right? Because it's going to, you know, ha- have high-powered graphics capabilities. It's going to have, like, super high-resolution displays. And th- the prices for those things of that caliber are in the, you know, $1,000 and up price range. Like, the HoloLens thing that Microsoft does, that's, like, $2,000 and up. And the uh, the Valve Index is, like, the highest-end, like, gaming VR headset. I believe that's more than $1,000 still at the moment. So it's not that the it's going to be overpriced for the category. It's just the category is expensive, right? Okay. But, uh, but um, the Oculus Quest too—that's mm-hmm. that's the two ninety nine thing I was thinking about. And it's got internal memory. You get one twenty gigabytes for three hundred dollars. For for hundred dollars more, you double it. And and it's the the white headset, and and it's it's a couple of things that you hold, I guess, in your hands as as where you know placement. Um, that that's kind of the like before the Apple Watch, there was Pebble. And you know, I, I use the Pebble Watch to kind of get an idea of what a smartwatch is like, and and you know, learn what I the Apple thing I wanted out of it. That that only you know, with Apple's integration, you could do. So if I were if I were just curious and wanted to burn three hundred dollars, this this is probably the, the the way to do that. Yeah, and that one is, um, I think I I think that one runs Android, like the Oculus Quest version of Android, and I think it does have some stuff you can do independently, but it's mostly meant to be connected to a computer like what i said so it's like you know projection essentially okay so like you could buy one but it wouldn't work with your mac (laughs) yeah yeah maybe i'll maybe in the next few months i'll buy one and talk about it (laughs) you also need a gaming computer to really like that's the problem you need so much stuff like i I definitely think the independent all-in-ones are the way to go but they're just going to be so expensive for like and you know, if it was a thousand dollar product that can replace your iPhone, it would be you know more meaningful. But the the first the shorter term versions, they're going to have like, you know, maybe five hour battery life. They're not going to do everything a phone can do. They're going to be limited. So the the on ramps very steep. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to my kids when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just to kind of round out, Quo had a few little details as he always does because as we come up to new hardware, Quo always seems to know stuff a year in advance. So he said the first generation Apple mixed reality headset. Uh, will be about 350 grams in weight. That's pretty good for the category. Like the Oculus Quest uh, 
you just said. I looked it up before the show. That's like 500 grams. So 350 grams is pretty light. Uh, and we expect the the Apple version to be a lot more powerful, right? Uh, That's the one I'm waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the uh, 350 grams, it's still heavy, right? I got glasses this week. They're like 30 grams, you know. So how, how many grams are AirPods Max with all that metal? They're, oh, they they got to be hundreds, right? I mean, and an, an iPhone Pro Max is like 210 grams. So a bit of, AirPods Max are AirPods Max are 386 grams. There you go. So the same weight of them you can get in a headset and in 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 Quo's world. Okay. So I mean, I, I, I think that's good, but it's not good enough if you're looking, you know, long, long, long term. Uh, what do you do if you're doing VR and you've got the goggles on and someone comes over? Like, well, you take them off. How do you how do you know if someone's broken in your home? Well, you don't. This makes me feel claustrophobic. I don't like I don't like this topic. The the rumors for the Apple <laughs> one is it's going to have like basically f- what you'll be looking at with your eyes is screens, right? So you have like high resolution yeah. displays on the left and right eye, and you'll probably get like a transparency mode a la airpods where you like click it and it just shows you the camera output i.e it just shows you the world in front of you and so. that's the apple trick is like we've made this where zach can use it <laughs> i mean the the other vr headsets in the market some of them have that not all of them a couple of them do have that feature but like it's not like it's nowhere near as convincing as like the airpods transparency mode for audio because the the, the current flock of ar vr headset stuff the, the the screen resolutions aren't high enough. Like your eye can immediately tell that it's not the real world. You know, the the Apple ones are rumored to have like eight K displays in both eyes, which is closer to the resolution that your eye could maximally resolve. So, you know, the the specs look good, but that obviously comes at a price. Yeah, I, I don't totally hate this idea, and I like technology and I like new stuff. And we've kind of haven't had like a big shift forward in in, in what technology we have. You know, in the last few years, it's been you know what we what exists maturing. Um, you know, like say for the Apple Silicon chip, that's, that's different. Um, but, but as I, I am curious about this stuff, you know, mostly for entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I think but, it's but, cool, but it's not going to mm-hmm. be like, it's going to be niche. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously an Apple have version one, then another version two Quo says they're already working on a design for a lighter and even lighter second gen model to come in. 2023 uh and he also had a report saying that the the one that's actually coming next year will have multiple ir sensors uh true depth camera systems on them to for detailed hand gestures so like the iphone obviously has uh two depth sensors it has the one in the front the one in the back the lidar and it's got the true depth camera system on the front face id uh quo says that there will be you know maybe up to six sensors on this headset that will be able to follow your hand in space and get very accurate tracking of what your hand's doing so it sounds cool and like that is another drawback of the current flock of competition is that they do do hand gesture tracking but it's not it's not close enough to be to 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 jump over the barrier of disbelief of like you know suspending what your brain sees your actual hands but if apple's got super high resolution sensors that can precisely see how your fingers are moving and stuff then they have a shot at doing something that's, you know, a big leap beyond the current market offering. And they've been testing basically the the, the, the software for this stuff and the hardware for this stuff for years with the iPhone 10 and the iPad with LiDAR. And, and this is 
kind of the culmination of, of some of the things that we scratch our head at and like, I don't really care about the lighter on the iPad that, that this seems like what all that was going toward. Maybe yeah. And we, just we, this we, year they have the like augmented reality map view in maps on iPhone, mm-hmm. but it'd be so much cooler if you could just have a headset to do that, of course. Uh, yeah. But portability, battery life, price, those three factors alone are just going to, the the product category, the product category is going to be nicher than the first Apple Watch for a long time, right? Like the Apple Watch, you know, the first version had a lot of issues, but it it was mass appeal. I don't think this, for at least the first version of the Apple headset, is really going to break out from the current like sales of current VR headset market, right? And Quo says they're only going to make two million of them, so I think Apple acknowledges that too. But they've got to start somewhere. Yeah, then they'll cut ten million, and then they'll you know have some of the first uh, software version sold when they cancel it, and you know HomePod style. <laughs> yeah, no, I am into this, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited I'm, to see what it is next year. But I'm not yeah. like, oh, this is going to change the me, game. Is yeah, ha- having you explain it to me helps me understand it a little more and makes me more curious. So, It'd um, definitely be the kind of thing where if you're in the Apple Store and they got demo units, you'd be like rushing over to try it out. But whether it has day-to-day appeal is different that seems like a whole other problem to overcome yeah (laughs) yep it'll be put your iphone up to your face or something and this is what you're missing so all right that's the first hour of happy hour do you want to go for another round (laughs) i think we're good for this week (laughs) okay okay well that is the happy hour podcast for this week because mayo says so i'm i've another hour for free i'm i can do more uh, if you enjoy the podcast, you can email us together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can subscribe to the ad-free tier in Apple Podcast. I hesitate because we're still working on it. I don't know if we've got it yet, but we've, we're working. We, we've we had a bit of progress, but it's not it's not resolved. We're working on we it. Have fr- we, have friends, we have friends at Apple, so we're working on it. Uh, keep letting us know how it's going because that, that really does matter. Uh, it's four ninety nine a month to get the ad-free version. You can also subscribe uh, annually, I think, for 50 bucks. And save some money. Uh, it's really helpful. We make money from it, and also we also make money when you support our sponsors. That keeps us going, and um, it it really does uh, support us. We I really appreciate it personally. Um, we uh, are on Twitter. I'm I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. That's A P O L L O Z A C. Benjamin's on Twitter at B Z A M A. And we will be back next week. Bye everybody. Bye bye.